You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Paragold, a church committed to making the real Jesus known to every man, woman, and child. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagold.com. Shared my dad is here teaching from the scriptures uh, to our family for the first time in fellowship's history. And if you do not know my father, what you need to know about him is uh, for those of you that have taken the Enneagram, he is a resourceful six on the Enneagram, which means he is hardworking, uh, he is steadfast, he's faithful, and he's loyal. And uh, I don't want to steal any of his thunder because I know he's going to share some of his story today, but. Um, he has certainly encountered his fair share of suffering in life. He probably won't even go all into it. Uh, he hates to talk about himself. Um, yeah, there he is. Did you know? You, you haven't seen those, have you, Dad? Probably in years, right? And so, okay, yeah. So my favorite is that bottom uh, center picture, those aviator shades. And so, um, and so, yeah, so, you know, he, he's encountered his fair share of suffering and here's the thing, despite the fact that there have been seasons of his life where he has been bombarded with hardship, um, I've had the great privilege of watching my dad continue to run after the prize, uh, which is Jesus Christ, in the midst of all of that. And I can't think of a greater gift for a father to give to his children than his own commitment and his own pursuit of holiness in Christ. And so with that in mind, Dad, I'm going to invite you to come on up. Y'all will welcome him. When's the last time you preached without a suit on? Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> it has so, been a while. Um, hey, I want to pray for you, and then uh, I'll let you get to it. So I appreciate it. Pray. Yep. Father, I thank you so much for my earthly father. I thank you for uh, his patience and consistent prayers uh, over me in my life. And um, just thank you for his commitment to you. I just... Think about how many times I've seen him not just look at his Bible when he's standing in front of people, but just when I walk by his room and I see him on the floor and he's on his knees and he's praying and he's reading the scripture and he's marking up his Bible. And uh, I just thank you that I've had an example set before me of someone who truly wants to follow you and, and be with you, not just whenever other people are looking at him, but just even in the private places of his life. And so I pray right now that you will fill him with your spirit, that you'll take away any nervousness that he might have preaching at a new place, um, that you help him to be fully present uh, with us and in your presence, and just give us the, the ears to hear um, that we need to hear today. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 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 What a blessing. Amen. Be here today. Just great to be here at uh, Fellowship. And uh, I tell you what, I just appreciate uh, the introduction and appreciate uh, uh, my son, Jared, and, and uh, our son, Grant, uh, as well. God has blessed uh, us. And uh, pictures, are they gone now? The pictures, are they gone? I can't tell. Where did you get them? Oh, there they are. Yeah. yeah. Where did you get them at? Yeah. You dug, <clears throat> you dug pretty deep. Amen. Pretty deep for them, I tell you. But uh, God has really blessed us, and it has been a blessing. And, uh, and we just appreciate, uh, again, the opportunity. Jared told me now, what's it been, well over a month, two months ago. He gave me plenty of notice. He asked me if I would speak on Father's Day. So, so he gave me a great notice, and, uh, hey, I do appreciate that. And that's kind of dangerous, though, that far out ahead, you know, because you, you can gather more. And, uh, but anyway, uh, just great to be here. I appreciate Adam uh, singing 
uh, I can only imagine. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, I thought, it would be great. It would be great if Adam sung, I could only imagine. <laughs> I didn't have a clue, and he didn't really fill me in that he would, but I was just kind of hoping. And it did. It happened. Uh, appreciate it. Adam, you hadn't lost your touch. Amen. Still great. Appreciate it. I used to bother him. It was very frequent. And uh, just um, probably the only time I talked to him was, can you, go to, can you do a special for us? <laughs> not really. Not really. I, I did. I did. I talked to him. But it was a blessing uh, back then to hear it. And he just always done a great job, a great song, a description of uh, what, it's, what we're going to behold one of these days. And so uh, just a blessing, uh, no doubt, and I do appreciate uh, uh, you playing that, uh, just a brought, it's a memory maker, it's a flashback, and uh, appreciate it uh, so very much. But, um, you know, I know God is blessing here at Fellowship, and uh, we're here, and uh, we uh, talk with Jared, and, uh, and we talk with Grant and other people as well, and it makes you feel good, but God has uh, blessed uh, Fellowship, and uh, just uh, great to know that you got a place to come to, and to worship God. You know, you got a place to come to where you can be inspired, uh, be inspired to go out and inspire other people. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's a great thing. And it's good when somebody, uh, uh, probably a couple of weeks ago at work, I work at Monroe, and uh, a couple of weeks uh, ago, uh, I spoke to a guy, it was on Monday, and I said, well, did y'all have a good service here? See, I happen to know he's a Christian. And I said, y'all have a good service? And he said, um, uh, yeah, it's all right. And then all of a sudden he said, have you heard about the church downtown? He said, how they're growing. And, you know, I had a feeling who he was speaking of. But he said, I said, where at? And I kind of drug it out. He said, Crossroads. And I said, Crossroads. And because uh, uh, he got it from, I guess, the crossing, you know, out here on front. I said, oh, you mean, he said, where Belks used to be? I said, okay, gotcha, yeah. I said, hey, my son pastors that church. <laughs> I told him. He said, really? Yeah, he was really surprised. He didn't have a clue. But anyway, uh, it's good to have a place to come to again where you can be inspired. Uh, maybe you heard uh, the story about the man who walked in ch church years ago. And uh, he sat down, began to hear the sermon, and the guy was preaching. And he said something he kind of liked, and the guy said, well, praise the Lord. Amen. And the preacher kind of looked at him like, that, that was off color. That wasn't, that wasn't right. That wasn't fitting for that church. And... Uh, so later on, the preacher said something else. And uh, he said, well, praise God again. And the preacher looked at one of the deacons, motioned at him, and go over there and, uh, and you know, say something to him, get him out of whatever. So he went over there and began to speak to him. And he said, uh, sir, he said, you can't, you can't do that here. He said, you can't speak like that. He said, one more outburst like that. And um, he said, I'm going to have to escort you out of here. And he said, well, sir, I can't help it. I've got religion. And he said, you may have. You didn't get it here. <laughs> the Bible speaks about religion. The religion, pure, undefiled. James speaks about it. Uh, pure and undefiled. The religion, only one. Jesus Christ. And so the Bible speaks about that in the book of James. Undefiled and spotless. And so... Uh, today, as we look at our text, I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians, and uh, Jared has asked me to give my testimony, and uh, so I'm going to read 
uh, these verses right here because they're very fitting. And uh, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, in verse number uh, uh, 9, very fitting because it speaks about the sufficiency of the grace of God. That's the only way. That's the only way you're going to make it in life and make it and really enjoy. It's a difference between, you see, the grace of God is different between enduring and enjoying life. And even in the bad times of life. And so, you know, it helps to put things in perspective. It's the grace of God. It's what we sung about. We just got through singing about God's grace uh, over and over. And so, uh, here's the verses right here. Beginning in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, in verse number 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, well, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ then. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What, did Paul, what prompted Paul to write that? Because he got a glimpse. The song we were just talking about. I can only imagine. Paul didn't have to imagine. Paul got a glimpse of heaven. He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I really don't know. I don't know how it came about. All I know is I was called up to the third heaven. And I began to hear things, he said. And things that was unutterable, I could not speak. But lest he be puffed up with too much... You see, God can't use pride. And this is going to be one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, the Apostle Paul. And God said, Paul, unless you get puffed up. God gave him a thorn in the flesh. Don't know what it was. He prayed three times. God, could you remove it? God doesn't always do it. He doesn't answer our prayer immediately. It doesn't matter what thorn you may have. It may be sufficient for the very purpose to bring you to a place where you look to God and that you might be a tool for Almighty God. So my testimony today, I go back just a little bit before, before my cancer. I go back to, I guess, after my high school days, I graduated in 1972. And, um, and then, you know, from there, I became a radio announcer. I began to go to ASU College. I majored in radio TV. I didn't finish that. And, uh, but God had other plans for my life. It worked out good. God had other plans for me. God didn't intend for me to be a radio announcer, but God intended me to announce the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that was kind of a, a pattern. That was kind of a, a foreshadow. I guess God was preparing me. I didn't know at that moment. But for one year, I announced up here at the radio station, and uh, I enjoyed it. And I learned a whole lot that year. And I guess the best thing about that year was, even though it was just one year, it's what I got out of that year. And she's sitting right over there. Her name was Ann Presson at that time. It wasn't Ann Pickney, but it was Ann Presson. And uh, she came to the radio station. I didn't know her. She came from a town uh, north of here called Halliday. And, um, you know... 
She said, I come to interview somebody. Really, she came to interview a guy, but he wasn't there. He wasn't there, and so she had to speak to me. You see, she was doing a term paper. Uh, did you ever finish that term paper, by the way? Did you finish that? Okay. She was doing a term paper on radio TV announcing. And so anything, anyway, we were introduced to each other, and, and uh, you know, we began to date each other, and uh, uh, the Lord saw fit that, that we married, and uh, she's been a blessing to my life. She really has. She's been very instrumental in all of my life. You see, I believe in the extension of God's grace. I think that, that God's grace is used among you and I. You can be an extension of God's grace. And I think that we are an extension of the grace of God, or we can be, to other people. And so she has been through all of what I have gone through. Uh, she had been, so I consider that one year, I say that was the providence of God. I didn't know. I thought I was just going to be, I was really hoping to be a big time radio announcer. Maybe, you know, when I was growing up, it was WLS. Man, I thought, I'm going to WLS or I'm going to be a big time announcer. That didn't happen. It didn't happen. But you see, God had something better for me in my life. And so then God blessed us with two boys. And medically speaking, we wouldn't supposed to have kids, okay? Medically speaking. And so you're looking at two miracles right here, I say. Grant. (laughs) Two miracles. And then we got daughter, daughters out of it, and we got grandkids. So we come out, we come out real, that's pretty good for not even being able to have, not supposed to be able to have kids. We've done good. Six grandkids. Done very well. And so God has blessed us uh, in that regard with our kids. Very proud of our boys. Always have been. Uh, perfect kids? No, there's no such thing as perfect. I wasn't perfect, that's for sure. So none of us, none of us perfect. But boys that we have been proud of uh, down through the years, boys that, that we actually, as Jared insinuated in his prayer or, or spoke in his prayer, that we have prayed for before they were ever born, before even ever conceived. We pray that if, and when we have children, that God, you'll bless them. And so what we did was we just gave our children back to God. And we raised them in church all the years. The doors were open. We were there. And so they were exposed to the Word of God. And Jared and Grant, you know, uh, they uh, were good kids. I think Grant now, if I remember correctly, man, Ann was talking. I think he wanted a sister, Jared. I think he wanted a sister starting out. (laughs) But his mother, Ann, she she spoke to him. I said, now, you know, maybe God's will. It may be God's will for us to have another boy. And so she tried to prepare him. Uh, we may have another boy. And so uh, he began to adapt to that and begin to understand it's a God thing, whatever God. And so, uh, and so we've enjoyed our sons. And uh, I guess they took care of each other growing up. They took care of, you know, about three years apart. And I guess probably Grant had the harder task. Amen? Yeah. They took care of each other. And they did. And there's probably another sermon in that. And so we won't go there. We won't go there. But anyway, God blessed us with children. And then in the year 1997, uh, when I was diagnosed, it was actually my first year at, at Rosewood Baptist Church, I was diagnosed with cancer 
uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, at, day, at, at work one day, I would just kind of reached up there and felt a little spot uh, beneath my ear. I uh, showed her, and I already had a doctor's appointment for a blood pressure check or a yearly check. She said, you better show the doctor that. And so I did. I did. And they did biopsies and this and that. And long story short, uh, you know, I, I had non-Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma. And so I was diagnosed actually in 97. I had it in 2009 was my last year uh, that I had that particular. And as I, I've already mentioned, uh, during my time of my, of my illness, you know, going to Little Rock back and forth. We went to Little Rock. Our oncologist was there. Uh, Ann was always there. We'd go several times a year for treatment, uh, for testing. And, 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 uh, and so, you know, it's great to have someone at your side. And again, I just say an extension of the grace of Almighty God. But then it was in 2009 or, or, or thereabouts that my cancer mutated and it actually mutated out on my leg. It kind of nodules began to kind of come up on my. I thought, what is that? And uh, and that's that was after I've had it twelve years. That was in '09. And uh, so we went to doctor around here first, and he said, "What kind of funky stuff is that growing on your leg?" And so Anne said, "Well, he's had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So you better go to your oncologist." And so we did. And so I think they sent, they done biopsies. They sent it off to five pathologists. I mean, what I had was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but it just mutated. It mutated out of my system onto my leg. Five pathologists around the United States, and they finally put a diagnosis on what it was. And uh, I can't even tell you some, some long name what it was. And, uh, but... They said, you're going to have to have chemotherapy as a combination. I mean, I done had uh, some uh, chemotherapy all these years, but this time it's going to be in a, a, even more powerful, more aggressive than I ever had. They said, it's going to have to be. But when I was diagnosed with this, my oncologist said, we've got to have you, get you to have a brain scan immediately because that was a rapid growth right there. He wanted to make sure it wasn't uh, on my brain. And uh, so we were good there. So we went through the treatment, and they said, you're going to lose all your hair. This is, this is going to lose it. And so, you know what? I didn't lose the more than I already started losing. <laughs> didn't do it. And, uh, but thank God. And we give God all the glory and all the honor. God did heal. It's, it's a God thing. And we say that uh, it's the hand of Almighty God. 2009 was a big year for us. Of course, that was my diagnosis, but they got, they got through with mine. I got, I got over mine with that, with that chemo. But that year, I lost my father and mother in 2009. Uh, my dad passed away, uh, I think, in July, and then my, my mother about three months or so later. Lost my father-in-law. He passed away, uh, Ann's dad. Uh, her mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so it was really a, a rather uh, big year uh, for us. And... Uh, but you know what? Through it all, through it all, God's grace uh, sustained us uh, through that. And you know, I still go to the oncologist every now and then. I haven't lately, but I've been in the clear now, you know, about nine years. And uh, when I was in the clear about seven years, that's two years ago, went back to the oncologist. He did some blood work, and I was still looking good. And he come walking into his office with a big old stack, big stack of my records, 
It seemed like he was kind of baffled, like he didn't really know what to say, that I had gone this many years uh, in remission. Because non-Hodgkin's, you know, it's just like any cancer, it always has a tendency to want to come back. And uh, he was baffled. He said, I, he said, I guess, and he just kind of lost the words. And but finally he looked up and looked down, looked at the records, looked at me. He said, I'm thinking now there's a better chance that your cancer won't come back than it will come back. And so, and so that was great news to hear that. But we know it was God all the way. And so through these years, and then three weeks ago, I lost my sister Nancy. She passed away. They, her and Judy, my other sister, lived in hot, they live in Hot Springs. And Nancy was my younger sister. Uh, she was 66, and she passed away with cancer. And so, you know, sometimes you get hit. It's the storms of life. But where do we get our strength at? That's our text. That's where our text comes in. The grace of God. Peter called it the manifold grace of God. Various colors of God's grace. Saving grace, that's a wonderful thing. And if you're here today and, you, and you're not saved, you have never come to the cross, Jesus Christ, it would be a great thing to do. You see, you can't have sustaining grace, what God gave me, until you have saving grace. God saves you, and then His transforming grace, the grace of God which bringeth salvation, hath appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we might live soberly, righteously, and godly, transforming, saving, transforming. But it was a sustaining grace that I had. Today we say, look to God. Look to God in the good times, but look to God in the bad times. Isaiah 45, 22 says, look unto God and be ye saved all ye ends of the earth. I'm glad for God's sustaining grace. Tis grace that's brought me safe thus far, and it will be grace that will lead me home. And I know the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, in the ages to come, God is going to show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 3 is another text you might want to turn to. Proverbs 3 uh, is probably on PowerPoint, but it's in verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You can't do that. You can't do that. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Trust God. Look to him for him. People were praying. People come over the house and lift me up in prayer during this time. And their words of encouragement would be, just look to God. Just look to him. And so that's what we endeavor to do. Trust him. What was my response? When I found out my diagnosis, what was my response? I think first thing probably there's a little something called stun, maybe shock. Because I remember in the surgery that I had, they removed some nodules and uh, the knot that was over here. I remember hearing the nurse say, Mr. Pickney, these things can go in remission. So I knew immediately I had cancer because that surgery was going to determine whether or not I did or did not. And so my response immediately is, you're just kind of stunned, you know. 
at first. But, but then you begin to have other emotions. To my recalling, I don't recall getting angry. I'm not saying it's wrong to get angry. But I don't recall myself getting angry. And that's where trust in the Lord comes in. And that's where lean not into your own understanding comes in. I seen Charles Stanley just a, a couple of weeks ago on TV. And they were asking him. He's had a lot of ups and downs. His wife left him. Uh, and, but he stayed in ministry. You're talking about faithful. He's had ups and downs. He said he's been in congregations where he could not even preach the Bible, the Word of God. without. So I, didn't, I wasn't aware of all that. But he gave his testimony. And they said, okay, what's the secret? He said, I had one driving passion, one driving passion. Obey God no matter the circumstances and leave the consequences up to God. Pretty simple. Obey God no matter, no matter what the circumstances might be and leave the consequences up to God. And that was the one driving passion that Charles Stanley had. And I think it is a passion. You see, it's not about us. It's about God. But sometimes we try to flip it around, turn it around. Jonah got angry. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry, Jonah? What good are you doing? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's sinful. But what good can come out of it? Does it work the righteousness of God for one to get angry? And so I never did really get angry. And then I think of Job. Perfect man, the Bible says. Feared God. Eschewed evil. Perfect in that he was spiritually mature. But God sunk his ship, baptized him, submerged him like, like probably no mortal has ever gone through. I'm not talking about Christ. I'm talking about like you and I. But his wife, I think she got angry. She said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? And he said, what? Speakest thou as one of the foolish women? Shall I receive good from God and not receive evil? He said. And the Bible says in all of this, Job did not, did not speak or sin with his lips. What a, classic, what a graphic illustration for you and I. And so, people get angry. I preached a funeral years ago of a man who was lost. I'll never forget his son observing him. These people didn't go to church. And I'll never forget... The boy got angry. Like, he got, why did you take my father? And here is someone who, not even in church, not serving God, not giving their time and, and their talent and their self to God, and they get angry. And so the way I look at it, it's like, God, you owe me something. I get angry. God didn't owe us anything. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, I'm a debtor. I am a debtor to the Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done on the cross. And so, just giving it to him, no matter what the circumstances might be, you know what? A Christian 
when we suffer. It has meaning attached to it. There is meaning attached to a Christian. Non-Christian, not. But the Bible says, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall reveal. And I think we have it on power. These light afflictions are, the Bible says they're light. They're momentary. They're light, that's one thing. Momentary, just a moment. Preparing an eternal weight of glory. What's out there for you and I? If you and I, I mean, someday we'll probably look back. We'll understand exactly what that verse means. Like, really? Momentary? Really? Racked with pain for many years? We'll look back and we'll say, yes, yes. It was moment. It was momentary and it was light because we'll be surrounded by his glory. What will we do? What will we do? What a time, a day that we look forward to. But if you're not saved today, really your, your suffering has no meaning to it at all. You see, we're all going to suffer, save, unsaved. The whole creation groaneth and travaileth together in pain. Until now, everybody suffers. All of us do. And so we're all going to suffer. Christians' suffering has meaning. Non-Christian, no meaning. No hope. As a matter of fact, the worst is yet to come. I don't care how bad you suffer in this life. And so we end with an attitude that might be good to embrace, you and I. Toby Mack. And put a song out. There's Toby. Had put a song out. Entitled, Steal Your Show. Two weeks ago, we were driving down the highway, and that song came on. And it's been one of my favorite songs by Toby Mac. I'll be honest, I can't tell you what all he sings. And, but I, I know I've liked that little tune, that song, If You Want to Steal My Show. And that came on the radio, and Ann said, you know what? That's kind of a summary of what you're going to be getting across, isn't it? I said, yeah, you're right. That is a summary. And so I began to think about that song, and I began to analyze that song. Steal my show. Toby said, a lot of times at a concert, you have about three or four groups playing, and the lesser groups play first, and then the main group comes on. They're supposed to be the main attraction. But he said, sometimes one of these lesser groups, they kind of steal your show. They've done so good, and they kind of take it away. And then Toby began to think about, I want God to steal my show. I want God to show up at my concert. I want God to be here. I want God to be on the center stage. I want God to be the spotlight of my entire life. And so, with that in mind, he penned these words. If you want to steal my show, I'll sit back and watch you go. If you got something to say, go on and take it away. Need you to steal my show. Can't wait to watch you go. So take it away. You see, I, I need you to steal my show, God. It's not about me. It's about you. Just like when someone hits a home run. Every now and then you'll see them point to heaven, trying to give it to God. Give it to God. Let God have the spotlight. No matter who we are, no matter what we do, everyone can choose Every day we can choose to say, 
If you want to steal my show, I'll sit back and watch you go. If you got something to say, go on and take it away. Need you to steal my show. Can't wait to watch you go. So take it away. My life, my pride, my heart, it's all yours. Take it away now. My family, my feet, my fame, my career, take it away. It's all yours now, so take it away. It's you I want to live for. He's not saying take my family away from me. He's not saying that. He's saying, God, don't, I don't want my family to be my spotlight. I want you to be the main attraction in my life. And so no matter what you might go through, this is an attitude to embrace. God, it's about you. It's not about, it's about, not about me. We're all performers. Life is one great concert. People are watching us, and they want to know, is there anything different about Christianity? Is there anything different? You see, we're compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. The Bible says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that we set our eyes upon. You go through anything in life that's tough, look to him. got a text this morning from my members. One of her daughters had a, a four-wheeler accident, serious condition, Memphis. She said, Brother Ron, pray for me. Pray for me. Let me tell you. We never know. We need to, the grace of God. We need to look into him and to trust him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so today, I can say I have been preaching for 36 years. I have no regrets no regrets in all the years. And if you're here today and you're thinking about being a Christian, I can tell you on the authority of the Word of God, you'll have no regrets, none whatsoever, if you come to Christ. R.A. Torrey was once asked a question, can you define eternal life? Torrey said, you ask me to define eternal life? You've asked a hard thing. He said, I can't define eternal life, but I'll do this. He said, take the greatest moment of your life, the highest joy of your life, and multiply it by infinity and carry it out to all eternity. You have a faint conception, a faint conception of what eternal life is about. What will it be like? What will it be like? It's worth it. Fasten your eyes on Jesus, 2009. My father-in-law passed away. He'd been in a coma for at least a week, I guess, two weeks. But before he passed away, about two days prior to, he just uttered a word. Anne was there. Her mother was there. Betty. All of a sudden, Jane Presson, he said, unbelievable. That caught their attention. Here's a man in a coma about to die. Unbelievable. Betty said, I be. They called him I be. What's unbelievable? He said, God. God is. is. Two days later, he passed away. We don't know. We hadn't yet comprehending what it's like. Put your faith and your trust in God. Let's bow our heads and pray.